The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Haberman and Middlecoff on YouTube, streaming live or whenever you want, and our podcast, which you can listen to, take wherever you go. I'm going to dive right into our Tito's Toast today because we're sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. And if there's one thing I know about the man that I have known for over 20 years, John Middlecoff, if he doesn't go where I think he's going for his Tito's cheers and toast today that i'm going to be wildly disappointed john who are you toasting today i i actually just looked it up today because i didn't want to uh have my facts off obviously early on in the inception of the league i think it's fair to say the competition was probably not great a good team had a huge advantage be like alabama playing uc davis but as the league has grown, and I, I don't think they've profited. The WNBA is subsidized by the NBA. Maybe individual teams have profited. We have not had a back-to-back champion, guy. Looking it up right now, since 2002, back when the LA Sparks, they had a, a lady named Lisa Leslie, who was like Shaquille O'Neal fucking dominated. And then a guy entered this, this league. He goes by Mark Davis. His father was a champion. Multiple times over, right? Three championships. Now Mark, like his father, has multiple championships. As a family guy, the Davis family has now won five championships. In the 70s, multiple in the 80s, took a couple decades off. But the 2020s, Mark Davis, is it fair to say, like his father, like Eddie DeBartolo, like George Steinbrenner, like Dr. Jerry Buss, like Joe Lacob, who, don't get it twisted, Joe Lacob, who has a team. I was watching some of the broadcasts last night. They sold, said they've already had 3,000 deposits for season ticket holders. Well, one thing I know, the San Francisco, whatever the heck they're going to call them, are going to get worked by Mark Davis's Las Vegas Aces. I had a buddy in the NFL that forwarded me a picture he was watching with his daughter and said they were booing Mark Davis in Las Vegas. That Vegas or New York? Me. Uh, where did they win it? New York. Okay, they won it. Okay, it makes sense. I, I thought for a second. If the Las Vegas Brooklyn. fan base mm. does not value what Mark Davis has brought, no different than the Knights, a championship standard, just champions back to back. And listen, I'm no WNBA expert. How are they not going to be favored to win it all next year, guy? Are we talking three peat? They, they didn't get fat and happy this year. Why are they going to get That's fat right. and happy next year? Uh, a Tito's, I'm not even going to give a Tito's toast today because I knew I saw one of the great te- uh, <laughs> tweets in the internet's history, and I wish I could find it, John, but I know you'll love it. Maybe it was Raiders beat, but it was somebody who covers the Raiders. They posted the photo of Mark Davis with the WNBA trophy, and they said, I will tell my grandchildren that was a Lombardi. I thought that was a great tweet. <laughs> I wish I could find it, but I, I can't find it. Um, <clears throat> so good tweet. I, shout out. Kelsey Plum, I've worked, did games with Kelsey Plum. She's a baller. 
did Mark and Darren Waller cross paths yesterday, John? Darren sitting Waller right behind him. Sitting right behind him. Wow. Darren Waller was sitting right behind Mark Davis. I, is Kelsey their best player? Because I she did the MVP, Chelsea Gray, and then I don't know. Is it Aja Wilson? That's name sound familiar. I think it's Asia. Uh, I don't know if Kelsey's the best player, but she plays in crunch time. She's a baller. Becky Hammond, her coach, as someone tweeted at me last night, a Raider fan, say, listen, I know you're somewhat being tongue-in-cheek, and I'm really not. I mean, he's building a fucking powerhouse. He took a huge swing on Mark on uh, John Gruden. Obviously, it didn't really work. But his mind, to me, the concept was in, like, his idea was correct. Take a big swing. He did the same thing. I mean, getting Becky Hammond, she was interviewing for NBA jobs. It that has was a better hire. Right. Big time. I mean, at the time it was a better hire. Obviously, with hindsight, it's a better hire. But also, like she was legitimately coaching. John had taken, I don't know, a decade off. Right. That's <laughs> so, what I mean. Yeah. So uh yeah, he's got he's got himself a star coach, a star program. They yeah. even hit some a little adversity, right? Because he was and I don't blame him. He was trying to compensate his players, doing a little under the table. Eddie yep. Bartle Eddie style. D. Get some suspensions were levied. Didn't yeah, didn't phase anybody. Maybe Al didn't know. do it. Actually. Yeah, they didn't have quite the cash flow. Al preferred it the <laughs> other way. <laughs> yeah, I liked his money. But five championships for the Davis family guy. Five wow. championships. Top top. Yeah, that's. I was one. also thinking this. If you Hold look on. around the Tito's national- handmade vodka, America. We can finish this ad for Tito's. America's original craft vodka. They sponsor the show. We appreciate that. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Forty percent alcohol by volume. Namely, eighty proof crafted to be savored responsibly. No frills. No flavors. No fancy labels. Just the good stuff. Just Tito's. We appreciate your support. Let's look at father and son combos in the National Football League. Does anyone have more championships than the Davis family as a father son combo? Because look at like the Hunts. I think Lamar, Lamar obviously the L- Lamar, uh, now Cl- now Clark rattling them off. He's got a chance to rack up a couple more. Yep. Jonathan Kraft and Stephen Jones do not own their teams yet, right? Because their fathers are still around. Wellington, I think that John, John, yeah, that's a good one. Because uh, John would have a couple. Right. Yeah, I, I would say uh, that that's a that's a good one. Martha Ford, no. McCaskey, no. Bear, Bears haven't won in a while. <laughs> Five uh, championships, guy. Glazer, son doesn't own the team. York, not the son of Eddie D, had has hasn't won a championship. One. Um, Spanos's ain't winning shit. <laughs> Spanos's ain't winning. I heard that the the Bidwell's same. I I heard today the um that LA's bid for the um World Cup is in jeopardy because I guess they w- they might have to widen the field at SoFi. And um, the owner of the Rams doesn't doesn't love the idea of being the one that has to foot the bill himself to widen the field for uh, for the World Cup. I think LA is, has been for a while like the favorite to host, but or to get the, the final. championship. Yeah, but uh, they may not because of the the field width. Did you see a price tag on the I widening? Not, I did not hear the price tag. No, probably not a hundred grand. Then right, <laughs> probably not a hundred grand. Yeah. Uh, yep. Well, we know our guy Al Guido will be swir- circling because they got yeah. a game. Yeah. Uh, do, you know, do you know in 1994, I was at Stanford Golf Camp Okay, uh, back when Tiger was on the team, and he wasn't around. He was out playing somewhere. The World Cup came. USA played Brazil. They lost, but they did it at Stanford Stadium. Underrated Stanford, that old decrepit stadium. It's obviously redone now. Used to host Super Bowls, World Cups. They used to get some events there. I know. It did not go to Candlestick. Used to and host went there. the uh, East West Shrine game. I remember because my dad took me that in like '99. 
So, so those, those, there's some good days over at Stanford Stadium. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stanford elites are so rich, they don't even have to put a name on it. Just call it our university. <laughs> well, the guy that built all their stuff, um, James Stanford. Ariaga. Ariaga died uh, last year, I think. He's the one that built, rebuilt the stadium in in an off season, one off season, they rebuilt the stadium because, you know, he had the power to do it. He built a bunch of buildings. He built their basket Maples Pavilion. He built, spent a lot of money there at Stanford. I would one hundred percent go to a World Cup game if like a yeah. World Cup game comes to here in Arizona. I I, I would go in a heartbeat. Yeah, right, right matchup. I don't know if I'd go see two Honduras. Teams. If, but if it was like Honduras, Argentina, or something, I, I would. I, I, I my guess is if we got a soccer expert in here, there there wouldn't be a history. It'd be hard pressed to be like a. There's not like a, um, uh, Rangers Diamondbacks version of the World Series of the World Cup. You know where they're like, oh, FIFA, not happy about this championship. Nobody's gonna watch these two teams. You know, like my well, guess it feels the like World the- Cup is always pretty. They're not like, oh shit, we got. You know, I can't even think uh, the Azores against uh, Norway. That's not gonna rate. You know, normally well, it doesn't happen that way. Well, no, it, honestly, it feels like the, 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 at minimum, Sweet 16 can get the occasional America and stuff, but I feel like the eight and definitely the semifinals is the same group of what, seven, eight teams? Powers. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like eight. the final four. It's like, oh, San Diego State made it. No one, it's never like Argentina playing, uh, playing Canada. <laughs> that's, that's not the way it works. JD says Morocco made the final four this past winter. I remember watching Morocco the world play was- America. The world was like Morocco was fu- people were fired up about Morocco. But I remember Morocco playing America years. It might have been the last World Cup, but maybe the previous World Cup and thinking they got some dudes. <laughs> their their team speed was fucking good. Half the Haber I don't know if it's came from Morocco uh, originally. The what? I said uh half of the Habermans came not the Habermans, but the other side of my family would these well, actually came from Morocco first. So my mom was really rooting for Morocco in that World Cup. Israel's never made a run. Um, we had the World Baseball Classic squad. Remember that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was Kapler uh, managing that? No, no. no. I Jerry Weinstein, no. Jer- a different Jerry Weinstein, <laughs> not that Jerry Weinstein. Yeah. Different Jerry Weinstein managed that team. I did see today, John. There is uh, we got a guy. I think I texted my guy Yogi Roth. Alabama has a quarterback named like uh, Eli Holstein or something like that. And I said to Yogi, I'm like, is this our guy? Is this our, he's like 6'4", 230, true freshman from Texas. I'm like, is this, Yogi didn't know. But um, what about the Rams? It just kind of hit me. Havenstein, their their tackle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, good question. Haven't checked the roster. Have you Uh, seen Alabama's best defensive player? His first name is Kool-Aid. Have we talked about that? McKinstry? I mean, that became news a few years ago because he changed his name for the Kool-Aid sponsorship, I think. It was his nickname. Yeah. Uh, This was a great little thing here today from Kyle Shanahan's press conference. Uh, You tweeted it. You want to start with this? I just thought the audio was so good. I was watching it. He said it. I texted you immediately. This was really good from Kyle. Take a listen. Six pick and and I knew if we were going at six, you know, my dad wanted to take Tannenhill. Um, I was hoping to get Kirk in the second round and go a different direction. And we traded up to two and went with Robert. And, and I remember him telling me that um, my dad really liked Russell Wilson. And he said we were going to take Russell Wilson in the fourth and get two quarterbacks in there that year. And then we got to the fourth and Russell was gone. And I remember him coming to my room and was like, hey, do you still want your guy, Kirk? I was like, I don't know about that, Dad. We've, we've got another direction. He's like, no, the plan was going to take two. We're still taking two. 
I love that. So they, they were at six, and then they traded up to two. Once they moved up to two, they weren't going to get Robert anymore. But he wanted Tana, Tannehill and Russell Wilson. So either way, there's an alternative world where they still draft their better quarterback later than in the first round, right? Where they take Tannehill and Russ. The second guy would have been the better guy in that scenario. Well, what if, like, what if they had not moved? What if, but what if they had not moved up because Russell was gone? It wouldn't have been an option for them in the fourth round. What if they went Tannehill and Kirk Cousins? How does that play out? Yeah, you're right. I wonder I if feel like they Tannehill would have been a pretty good fit that. for them. You think they still would have done that? Tannehill and like, did but they I take because <clears throat> they're not? Yeah, because. Like, I guess Tannehill was really – that's right. Tannehill was really – he was like a big-time athlete coming out of Texas. Well, he's State. a wide receiver, remember? Right, right. DeRuder moved him over. That's no, right. DeRuder didn't, but, I mean, he was there at a Yeah, Cliff. But wasn't – I, I think he just described it right there. The plan the whole time, regardless, was to do the two quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, that was Mike's – clearly his philosophical belief going into that draft. So, I, I think it's fair mm-hmm. to assume – You're right. That if Dan Sna- Snyder doesn't force them to take a quarterback that nobody wanted – and just they stayed at six. They could have got Tannehill and then taken Kirk Cousins. Do you know what I love about sports in general? But like the NFL draft is such a fascinating thing because there are so many trades and the look back five, ten years. When a coach no longer gives a shit slash none of it matters, even though some of them are like still in the league and he just gives you just an and Kyle's good for this every once in a while. Like he really wouldn't describe what's going on with Christian, but whatever. I don't blame him. He's not – that's what coaches with injury. I would rather have him just say, could you give us like three more draft day stories? <laughs> like, I don't really care. Like, yeah, Drake Greenlaw, day-to-day. Okay, cool. Just You got another right. draft day? Could we go yeah. – uh, Tell us about the Reuben Foster first. <laughs> yeah, round. I don't know. Because that that is just really good to me. The, the mindset uh, – like, listen, I would say that Tannehill – Daniel Jones went sixth. It would have been, I think, looking back, probably a little high for Ryan. But clearly, Ryan is better than, you know, if you look, if you got a redraft of Ryan at 22, 23, I don't think anyone's taking him in the top 15, but he's definitely not going in the third round, right? He's like a second round quarterback. And I think he would have been pretty good in this offense, athletic guy, pretty accurate. Uh, He just can't carry the team. I usually philosophically disagree with where Kyle has guys slotted in drafts and their value. And because ultimately he, he, you know, it's not the coach is going to struggle with value. It's like, uh, it's like the rich guy that just wants a home. You know, I just want this home. If I got to pay 25 million, what's the difference? I heard Portnoy describing like buying his $40 million Nantucket house. He's like, oh, at the end of the day, was I, what was I going to argue? 35.5 or 40. What is the ultimate difference? And to 99.999%, a $5.5 million swing on a home is a really big difference. But when you're super rich, it actually isn't. It's no different than if you're bidding on a $500,000 house. People get so caught up with like, I'm not going above 485. Well, what the fuck's the difference? Just offer 510, get the house. In three years, you won't notice it all. And it's the difference of like $130 on your payment. So not even, you know, but people get so caught up in the minutia with quarterbacks like, if you are draft overdrafting a guy a round or two and he's ultimately a backup, it's a bad pick, right? But like Kirk Cousins in the second round would have been pretty insane at the time because as you see, he went in the fourth round, but it would age pretty well. Now, could he have been their starter week one? 
you know, I, I don't know, but I, I will give Kyle credit on that one. Like he got that evaluation, right? Yeah. And Mike was pretty bullish. Now Mike has taken Jay Cutler. He's taken, you know, he would have taken Tannehill. RG3 was not their pick. You know, the 49ers were, had no problem trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. They're taking Trey Lance. Like it's not an exact science, but I, I like, I love, I, I could listen to stories like that all day long from the coaches that are like admitting where they had guys. When does that ever happen? Well, it's, it's part of why like <clears throat> telling us when you weren't right makes it really great. Cause then we believe you. I think a lot of times when you hear coaches talk about grades, not coaches, but like when Tariko two weeks ago said the Niners had a fourth round grade on Brock, every, I think part of the reaction understandably is like, oh, did you really, you're just telling us that now? Cause it worked out. Right. Isn't Draymond the classic guy in the NBA? Like we had a seventh overall on our draft boards. Like, yeah, no, you didn't. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. So, um, but I'm with you. I think draft stuff, first of all, is just, it's the most, it's some of the most interesting stuff that exists because it's, it's like sports are not black and white and the draft is not black and white where you go affects how you turned out, but it kind of, it feels more black and white than some other stuff. Right. Look, I mean, Tannehill's a good example too, because he's had a really successful career by almost every measure. Right. And financially took, for sure. <laughs> and financially. And it took a while for him to get his footing. I, I looked a second ago, I think he was 13 touchdowns, 12 picks. His rookie year, he's in Miami. I mean, he has not – it's not like he's had incredible stability. It's not like he's had – he's had good run games in Tennessee, but it's not like he's had elite since uh, any time he didn't have A.J. Brown without A.J. Brown elite receivers. It's always been a little weird. Partly it's him. Like, he's not perfect, right? But you're right. I mean, he's a guy that really – as good a career as he's had, I wonder if you told him, like, well, we're going to put you with Kyle Shanahan for eight years. How would his career have looked? Think about this. I just pulled him up. He went eighth. So Mike was, they were on the right, you know, his value, given where you had to take him. It wouldn't have been crazy. It actually sounds crazier when you say out loud Tannehill at six. For some reason in my head, I had him going like 14th. I knew it was a yeah, relatively high pick. I, going to eighth, I don't quite remember it that high. His TD to interception ratio is 214 to 114. So it's, it's very close to being two to one. He's a 65% passer. And he's only been to one Pro Bowl, but just if you just look at his numbers, I I do think with the right coach and for a long time, Arthur Smith, those couple years with those good Tennessee teams, like he was he was more than serviceable. Now, a lot like a cousins, a lot like a Dak, it's usually the kind of the waters that he's weighing in. It's like you can't really win a Super Bowl with this guy. He's either gonna have a bad game or not be able to outplay the top five quarterback that you're gonna see. But he actually, when you get him in the right scenario, Brock Purdy, right, he can shine. And, th- and that's most guys. Like, most guys are not Josh Allen or Justin Herbert physical capabilities. That's ultimately what – it's not that those guys are really good at playing quarter. It's their physical characteristics with their production, right? That That's what makes – like, we can argue over Justin Herbert who had a shitty game the other night. But even in his worst game I've ever seen him had – he had a couple of plays in that game where you're like, that's what John Elway looked like if you go to YouTube. Like that, that's just what Ryan Tannehill or Purdy or any of these guys don't have. Right? Yeah, which is the criticism of Kyle, right? If you were going to break down quarterback criticism of Kyle, one I think one of the criticisms, and whether it's fair or not, I don't know. We could talk about it, but it's just he, it feels like he's better at evaluating fourth round quarterbacks than first round quarterbacks because we've never really seen him evaluate a first round quarterback. The one he got was Trey, and it didn't go well. It was bad. It failed. The problem, though, is 
I they had the right mindset. They just took a guy whose physical characteristics, like for example, Anthony Richardson. See, he's out for the year, yeah. which was kind of clear when you were watching the Colts Jags game, or not Colts or whoever the hell they just played. Not that I watch much of it, but I flipped it on to watch a Gardner I- interception, and they go to the sideline. Oh, he's was it the really bad looking one? He had a couple, like the balls were like wobbly. It looked weird, but he was in the sling. I'm like, yeah, this guy ain't coming back in four weeks. I didn't know he's gonna be out for the season, but all you like, I watched the first couple series, or the, definitely a lot of the first game of Anthony Richardson's career. His physical attributes, speed, arm strength, blow trays out of the water. Like that, I think that's what they were hoping for. Was like this guy ran. You'd watch him run. Now he's injury prone. It's already pretty scary. That's where it parallels. But in terms of the package, to me, if Trey's package had been that, he's probably still around. You know, I, I think they took a swing for a guy whose package was very, very limited. On top yeah. of the, just the production was going to be very, very difficult. So, I, I, I push back on that. I, I think he tried, and they just drafted a guy who, it, for whatever reason, doesn't trans. And, and honestly, Anthony Richardson, for every Anthony Richardson, sometimes it doesn't look as smooth as Anthony did in terms of how much faster he was than defenders, how strong his arm was. Like, it, it was clear, like, damn, this works. Yeah, it's also clear it's going to take some time, even if he'd been, if he, even if he'd stayed healthy. Yeah, right? but at least but it, when you know you're in bed with a project, at least you know, like, God, I, I can work <laughs> with the speed, I can work with the arm strength, use a 50% passer. Well, p- that, part of the argument... Want. Part of the argument might be when you're draft when you're drafting out a need, which is what the Niners did in the first round. You just, you know, in later rounds, you are drafting guys because you really like them, like like them in the in the amount that you can like a fourth round or a seventh round guy, right? But you're only drafting because you're not drafting need in the seventh round, right? You're just drafting the player you like the most that's available yeah, yeah. to you. Whereas in the first round, it's if we took a pie chart, like it's not 100%. We're just picking our favorite player. You are picking your favorite player that you think fits at the top, like in this spot that, that justifies being drafted this high. It's a double whammy. You're trying to draft high floors, right? Extreme high, or I guess high ceilings is a better way to put it. Basically so, a combination of them both. Like it's which is not really Kyle's, not be a good player. When you think about Kyle, like he obviously has superstar players on his teams, but part of what has made him special as a coach is that he 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 squeezes every ounce out of it feels like medium level right it's not necessarily just the elite talents that are good for Kyle it's he gets third he gets career backups to play good for six games like that's part of his strength but but this conversation and and we're still several months away from it really getting in the nitty gritty and obviously these guys are still playing but there's going to be very serious conversations about the number one overall quarterback if if I assume and it plays out that Drake May continues to play well. If he continues to play well and his team dominates, and we'll see like it does, if Caleb has some more bad games against better competition, uh, it does not mean he's not an excellent prospect, but it's going to come. Because I think before a lot of people kind of push back, I've heard more and more. And just other people kind of insinuating and hinting at it, like it's gonna grow as a conversation. That doesn't mean the guy's gonna go like, oh, Drake May won, Caleb could tell. No, he'd be the number two pick for sure. It doesn't even but mean he like, won't go one. But it's it doesn't even mean he won't go one. I, I think it's fair to say if you just pulled every thirty-two GM. Now Brett Veach probably hasn't watched them both, but if they did, there would be some guys that have Drake May over now. 
I would say when the season started, it was probably like 31 to one. Maybe now in middle of October, it's 26 to six, right? And maybe as this process plays out, they meet the guy. I don't, I don't know all Drake May's measurables, but if I just assume he's 6'4", 225, right? Because I think the one thing, we use Josh Allen forever about the inaccurate quarterbacks, like why you take him for Anthony Richardson. I think the Justin Herbert comp of just the size and, the, you know, like looking back, if that's Drake's comp, now I'd say Justin has a better arm, but just in terms of those guys, yeah, you just lean on those guys, you're going to be right more than you're wrong. Yeah. If the guy's a really good player, production's good, character's good, right? Like he's got all the checklists of the tangible stuff. And that's going to be fascinating to watch. But like to me, this week is is massive. Like we evaluate these guys off the games, right? And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And, and the draft conversation just you know, this guy's set, this guy's set. And sometimes they are like Marvin Harrison, like can have some bad games, whatever. Right. But like the quarterback Bosa can get like, hurt and not play his. Yeah. His like last how does it really look like shit starts hitting the fan? Like, what do you look like against Kyle Whittingham? You just come off a bad game. You're playing this team that you wrote. Fuck Utah. Drake's his team's crushing it. They look like they're headed toward the conference championship game against Florida State. So it's not like he's playing nobody's right. He's going to be in big bright lights games. So I, I'm glad that's just a conversation. It's just it makes it yeah. interesting. Beside yeah. like this guy can't miss number one overall. Right. I think uh, my prediction is at the end of the day, Caleb will still go one because I think the team drafting first is going to have to really ask themselves: Are we going to are we going to pass on some of the unique special things that this guy does? the The problem is you don't get to just watch him operate from the pro- pocket that much right now. His offense, I'm, it, I mean, I know you've watched SC; they're not like an on time all the time offense. It's not drop back, look, look, boom. It's like Caleb's running around making crazy shit happen. Which is great. I mean, it's part of what is special about him, but it's not exactly. We'll get to something Kevin O'Connell said about Purdy. It's not exactly what you want your NFL offense to look like, right? So. Yeah, I, I just think when the dust settles, who's to say that Drake May is also not an elite prospect? I, well, Wikipedia well, has two thirty saying he's not an elite prospect, right? Yeah, and so if he's saying it's one A and one B, so if it's one A and one B, then one B might be one A. And he leads his team to an undefeated season. Let's say they upset Florida State. Let's say he takes them to the playoffs, and he's fucking awesome in that game. Caleb rubs in GM the wrong way. Yeah, he's six four. He's not six four. He's six four and a half. He's two thirty two. You know, he's all the intangible stuff. He's never had a like the other day. Did did we talk about the player running on the field or the fan running on the field to Caleb? We didn't talk about it, but I did watch Caleb talk about it. I don't know if you saw that answer. I didn't see him talk about it. And listen, I, I, if any player ever takes out a fan doing that, I will never blame the player. If a fan's running at him doing that, but ultimately the fan filming himself, what he, he the reason he did it was because I, I did, I thought he just did it against Utah in the conference championship game. Had he been writing fuck his opponents his whole, the whole year on his last year, last yeah. year? Uh, he'd had different messages, but he might, did he have one that said, Fuck Notre Dame. Is that what the... Well, yeah, that's what the fan yeah. came. So now the fan might have been making that up. I don't, I don't know for sure, but we know he had done it before. If that is true, it's like, well, brought that upon yourself a little bit. A little. There was the video a few weeks ago of a player, college football player. I want to say it was only, it wasn't Ole Miss. Same deal, like kid running. Man, you just see the camera, like, get upended. And the kid's like, I filmed the whole thing, you know. Sorry, bro, like. You deserve to get yeah. shot. I, he ran into the guy. It's not like the guy was, ran after him like a heat-seeking missile. Like, no sympathy for none. that guy. Then none. 
you not only none i'm rooting for you to get trucked yeah right for sure um but caleb did uh media availability a couple day yesterday maybe and somebody asked him about it and um you know, he was just like that. Everybody wants to be in these size 13 and a halfs or something like that. You know, I don't worry. He he said the line that like a lot of guys have been saying lately, which is like uh, lines don't worry about sheep or, you know, that type of stuff. Um, I, I listen, I, I'm not some of this stuff about like I, I can't speak to the guy's character. I don't know him personally. And I think some of the stuff that recently came out. Having talked to the people at Oklahoma, his dad was a major, major force. And I think some of the quotes that have lingered about the team were not Caleb's. They were his father's, right? From the, like, we'll pick the team or we're oh, not yeah, guaranteed yeah, 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 to come yeah, out. Yeah. That that came from his father who, like, I mean, Xander Shoffley's dad was giving quotes at the Ryder Cup about his all bullshit. And even Xander's like, let's take my what my dad says with a grain of salt. But eventually, one thing's going to happen is once the draft process starts, like, are, is your dad speaking for you or are you going to take control of this? You know, and it's hard. He's 20, 21 years old. I can see it coming from a mile away. Things are going to get weird. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, ultimately, I see though, John, he'll be the one in the meeting, right? He will, but his dad, like, if you can always go to his dad for a quote, it can make things worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, because in the NFL, the general manager, the owner, the coach – they don't want it's one thing to get to know like a guy's wife or parent. Like I'm sure Andy has n- had relationships with people's parents over the years, right? Come around home games and stuff. There's a difference of like your opinions. <laughs> Hell, in college at Fresno State, they would hang up on him or get in fights with them. Like this ain't allowed. I can't even imagine at the highest level of power five, <laughs> let alone the pros. Easier to easier parent to hang up on, maybe potentially. I think there's a famous story about Roger Carr and a phone getting thrown in a meeting. <laughs> Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With Butcherbox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. Butcherbox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with Butcherbox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham, and you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Get on the prize picks app, just like me, and use the code ham50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with prize picks america's number one fantasy sports app and you can get it on baseball too i've got some season long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs uh not off not feeling great about shohei less than 38 and a half right now but 
I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago. And I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to Tecovas.com and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin designed, Texas tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered... Can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear, and it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes west. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel, vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. You just made me think, talking about this, that Kyle's going to draft a quarterback this year too. Late, because it, unless Darnold somehow comes back, right? Yeah, that I think that would if Darnold comes back. But you're some. I kind of got this weird. Like, I wonder if Darnold will now. Who this season hasn't played out yet? But is Darnold just had such a shitty experience to other places that he's like, you know what? Yeah, man, I'll hang here for a couple more years. I could I see know. him doing like the two for eight. Yeah, and just I'll just let me just hang around, like the guys. But what is he gonna do? Like, go play for the like. Oh, the Raiders need somebody, you know, or one of these teams. Like, what teams? Who's he want to go play? The Vikings. I mean, who's he want to well, go play for? Yeah, I mean, that would there actually is, 
Vikings. There is one of those where, hey, I'll give you a two year or I'll give you one year, 13 million or something like a, a number that's not like the Jimmy Derrick, but way better than anything the Niners would give him. And then you kind of put them in a weird spot where it's like, bro, I know I you're already it. rich, but this yeah. might be this could be the last time anyone ever offers you eight figures, especially if you get to play. Right. He wants to play. Well, you get to start, but it'd be one of those, right? You sign that in March, then that team drafts the quarterback. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, they drafted Michael Penix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Caleb that's when always the that's when all his fingers, by the way. Well, I, I know. They, they no, no, I know. I'm just somebody asked in the chat, so I mentioned it. Yeah. It, it just, yeah, that's a I, good I think point. Last year, something that <clears throat> about Sam, it, it is reflection. It's weird, right? We all, as younger male males, mature way slower than females you could argue in our mid-20s late 20s early 30s that, that some of them are like rocking and rolling at like 19 years old so i'm not it's not the end all be all of that on the fingers but it's like do most of the top prospects in our is it peyton manning trevor lawrence andrew luck like were those guys doing that i had a buddy uh i remember one time he used to manage a uh um trampoline park He's like, you know what our biggest problem is? I was like, what? He's like, young boys. They're insane. They throw their bodies all over the place. They are major safety risks. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Kirk Cousins, John, since we're talking about the, the Kyle clip, uh, Cousins played Kyle with the Niners four times. 2017, he beat C.J. Beathard. Uh, that was Kyle's uh, first time against Kirk. He threw for two touchdowns a pick. 2018, Jimmy G threw three interceptions in the opener. You remember that game? Minnesota no. won it. In my head, Minnesota Niners. What was the game that Jimmy threw the pick six that got called back? That was at the Lions, right? That was that. That was the following week in 18, Detroit in okay. at Levi's. Yeah. Pick six that got called back on a holding penalty or something, right? That was at Their Levi's? Defensive holding. The Lions game, they played the Lions twice. One game was in Detroit a couple years later. Pick six that could have killed him on like the big comeback game. That was in Detroit. The game you're talking about, because he tears ACL, I think week three against the Chiefs. They lose to Vikings. He does not play well. Now, the Vikings that year were really good. I think they had an elite defense. I think that was the year like the Diggs catch against the Saints, maybe. like That, that team was really yeah. high-end defensively. Yeah. Uh, and then the next week against the Lions, who were not this version of the Lions, I'm pretty sure it was the home opener, and Jimmy was big time bailed out. Okay, that was I, I that sneaky of a little game, start man. to that sneaky start to his 2018 season was actually like a precursor view into the Jimmy Garoppolo experience when everyone was just coming from the honeymoon phase of the yeah. final five games of 17. Like, is this fucking Joe Montana meets? Uh, Brad Pitt, you know, and it's like, no, not really. Ask Raider fans, like, where's the guy? Yeah, he's still in the hospital. He's not gonna play for a while. Yeah, he's out. He's out this week against the Bears. Um, that so that game, Kirk was two touchdowns, no picks. Twenty twenty playoffs. Remember that game kicked his ass. Uh, Niners won that, and the Niners beat uh the Vikings in San Francisco again. Two touchdowns, a pick. Kirk throws picks. Uh, Niners lead the league in picks right now. By the way, defensively with ten. So this is a seven-point line, seven and a half, uh, seven on Monday Night Football. Um, every Vi- here's some Vikings. Uh, here's some here's a Vikings note. Every game they've played this year has been eight points or less. So kind of like last year, except the reverse. Although they're five hundred now, but last week was a slog against the uh, the Chicago Bears. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're missing their best player. To me, they were actually pretty competitive a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs. Uh, last week, I'm I'm pretty sure they had a relatively commanding lead once Fields got hurt. Weren't well, they up like 19 I, to 6? I think it was like 6-6, six, six, yeah, and then it was 19 to 6. Yeah, the, yeah, they're to me. They've just done a purge. The, the, right? the guy, Bears had some awful turnovers in that game. I mean, they were playing a guy from Shepherd College, so it's like I, I'm sorry. Uh, to me, the Vikings really—it's it, very rare you see this. A team that's competitive, a team that wins 13 games. I know they had some financial issues, but just do a purge. They cut Dalvin Cook. They get rid of Thielen. They get rid of Kendricks. They're they're clearly going to let Kirk walk like they've done a weird like things are going well usually you see that like you know you you go eight nine the runs over new administration it's time they've kind of done it when things were yeah they got a receiver in his prime (laughs) yeah but they they have a quarterback who's good and productive they had other players and there's like fuck it let's just move on let's just pull the band-aid right now but they don't pull in the band-aid because Kirk's they did it they're like doing it in two years I don't think they, they had don't anywhere, have, to tra- but they didn't have anywhere to trade him last year, right? I think they, they would have traded him this offseason. It's not like they drafted their Patrick Mahomes or whoever. It's not like they have their next quarterback, you know, that they believe in, that they're waiting to transition to that guy. Don't they that's, feel like a Penix destination if they win it. like four games? Yeah, I mean, well, how how high do you have to draft in order to draft Michael Penix? I don't think you have to be a four I think you can win one four games to draft Michael Penix I mean everybody thought last year he wouldn't have even been a second rounder because of his in- injury history and his age um so maybe now it? well I mean he's just this is what is sixth year of football I think it's at least I text I, I text someone at the game like where do you have Bo Nix in the draft they're like he's 28 kidding he's not 28 Uh-oh. it's a it's a joke that he's old I think Penix falls into the same category they're both yeah, like 24. Yeah. Yeah, I said Vikings are 500. They're two and four. Uh, they're trying to get to five. Well, they're a ways away from 500. I thought you meant they were 500 in the one score games. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're one. Well, all their games have been eight points, so they're not 500 in one score games. No. Um, I, I meant carrying over from last year. Oh, remember gotcha. last year, last they, year they had a crazy good rate against that. Thank you for the correction. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think Penix is a. I think Penix would be a really good fit for them. I think Penix would be a good fit for a lot of teams who, you know, the the one thing that made the Oregon game interesting for Penix is just he hasn't played a lot of games where he gets hit and he got hit more than he's ever been hit at Washington in the Oregon game. And his completion percentage was under 60%, but he still stepped up and made huge throws when he had to. I mean, I, I think, I think it was still a, a positive day for him. Um, but I think there's questions like I, I want to play you some in a second. Have you seen Penix in person? I have not. Oh, I have, but I was I was at a basket. I was doing a Washington game last year, and he was sitting courtside, mid court. I wonder. But I didn't. It's hard for me to tell how big is he. He's yeah, six two, two ten. That my not? guess is that he's not two ten, but that I also don't think he's much bigger than six two. What's the what's he listed at? I mean, that's such so fake. I, I know. I just as a as he's so he's listed at six three. So we know that he's at least not six three, probably six three two six three two fifteen. Yeah. yeah. So he's. Six two two oh eight. He doesn't look skinny to me, but he definitely doesn't look big. You know. Um. Did you? I, I saw KNBRs like trying to get with the time, so they're like Instagram clips of you know their host talking. It's always like Greg 
which looks like he's at Levi's, you know, decked out in 49er gear, which has to make some people go, God, this is weird. My, my refrigerator he, repairman who came today, John, said he grew up a Raider fan. He's, he roots for the Niners now and partly because we got Greg. So what's wrong with your fridge? Uh, just a little ice machine thing. Uh, it's, Dispo- the dispenser. Do you have a water and ice dispenser? Yeah. God, that's a game changer. Major. Got a new fridge. I didn't get the water. It's a dumb idea. Uh, but Greg was talking with Barros, and Barros did a little research of Purdy in bad weather games. I guess they play like Drake maybe later, late in the they season. Played Drake, a couple yeah. Years ago. yeah. In a, I, he, I watched the video. It was a monsoon. Yeah. So it's even for NFL standards, like that game would be one of those you don't, wouldn't even put much stock into. That level. I, that's what I thought. I clicked on it like, okay, let's see. And then the second you click on it, it is just, it looks like the okay. second half of the Bears game last year. Okay. So, but he had a glove on, correct? Uh, he did, except I didn't realize it until I heard Barrow say it because in the video, there's not a lot of highlights of him throwing the ball. It's the Drake guy who threw for like 270 and now is an accountant. And then like a couple handoffs and Brock running for a touchdown. But yes, he did put, I heard Barrow say, one of Drake's quarterback's hand side was, but put a glove on ball. his non throwing hand. Yeah. Well, what does that really do for you? Help you catch the snap? I mean, I, I, I think. It's, oh, it's did, did you think it was the throwing hand? No, throwing no, hand. no. But yeah, but I know. But I, my point is, because it may Greg, have been in my head, I just assumed I could pull up the video. Keep going. No, no. It, it was just one. Uh, yes, I will. On the known throwing hand. Oh, it was. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. But okay. my point is, because Greg was like, time to probably put on glove if you find yourself in this situation. Other quarterbacks have. That, that cannot happen again. Like, period, point blank, end of story. That is not allowed. You can't function as a team in a rain game if your quarterback can't pass the ball. In college or in the NFL. I guess in college, if it's like Iowa State Drake. But I don't give a shit if in the NFL if you're playing an 0-10 team or you're playing the Eagles or the Chiefs. That that can never happen again, if if you can prevent it. Did Brady and, ever put it on his throwing hand? Uh, I, I feel like he did not. But also, Tom did not. Tom, to me, is the greatest cold weather quarterback I've ever seen. It didn't matter. I would, if I had to guess, Tom has big hands because he's tall, probably has big feet. You know what they say about people with big feet. No, Tom, Tom's actually hands aren't that big. They're only a, a little bit bigger than Brock's. Maybe he has before. And maybe some of it has to do with it's so cold in some of those games, you can't yeah. feel your hands. Yeah. Because one thing Greg was saying, and I remember this Peyton a little bit later on in his career in Denver, had to do it. You know, Carr has had some moments. Goff had some moments. It's to me, it's just it's just basic math. The ball is the size of the ball, and I was looking Justin Herbert's hands, ten enormous hands, right? If <laughs> you just got, I bet Josh Allen has big ass hands. He throws like you got big, too, right? you got big hands. It's easier to grip the ball. Now, as Shaq said. Part of the reason he sucked at free throws and just shooting, my hand was so big on the ball, it wasn't a natural motion. Well, in football, if you, for most of us with normal size human hands that aren't like under nine, if you grip an NFL ball, it's it's not as easy to throw it as these guys make it look because your hand doesn't get around it. So I I, I just I think big picture, it's it's not going to hurt them that many games. Luckily, the location of everything. But it's inevitable. I don't care where you play. You're going to be in some weather games. I, I think there's a probably 50-50 chance that Thanksgiving night game in Seattle's drizzling, right? And who knows? Maybe it's raining. 
feels like Seattle just drizzles more than it pours, doesn't it? From a football yeah, a standpoint, take. it does feel that way. Yeah, drizzles a lot. It doesn't feel like like you, the Cleveland game. You just it just pours in some of those north, you know, east, north, uh, middle of the country games. Yeah, not that much pouring out here. Yeah, even Oregon. Like you watch Oregon football and. November drizzles. It's a little wet, but it never feels like this is a torrential downpour. It never rains at Autzen Stadium. That's what they say. Seriously, that's a famous saying. I mean, it does. I feel like that's correct. I, I don't. Um, I think it's mostly correct. I I know I have seen some heavy rain there, but <clears throat> it's it, you know it's a turf field too. Not that that, but Seattle the same. So I think it makes rain looks worse on a grass field. That's the other thing, <clears throat> right? Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Bears, you notice it. You don't really sloppy. notice rain yeah. on a Chiefs. Field. Like you can't really. Sometimes you can't really. I did. The one thing I did notice in hindsight was because I saw forty three percent of the ticket sales for the Monday night game are forty nine er fans. And one advantage I think the Browns have is that they don't like it's not. And I'm not trying to. This is going to sound bad, but it's not really when you're like I got to go to a road game this year. You don't circle that one. In hindsight, like it felt like there weren't really. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there were a bunch of Niner fans in Cleveland. And the other thing is, it it should be probably on your destination to like. I want to go to a game in Cleveland. Like it's probably pretty awesome. Um, but they're good, know. loyal fan base. Yeah. Probably not many people selling their tickets. Hard, people probably don't choose to go. It's I don't know. Where is that stadium relative to their downtown? I've been to a basketball game there and a baseball game there, and I remember the baseball game. After I came out of the stadium, there's like a bunch of bars and restaurants. I was like, this is actually, they got a cool little setup down here. But um, clearly by the water, right yeah. next to the lake. Yeah. So I think it's all kind of close. I think they're all kind of close, but it's, I, I'd recommend it. Um, so somebody made a comment here in the chat, which is perfect to set up the conversation. Um uh, Dave says, uh, y'all wax poetic so much about physical traits to get you in the door, execution at quarterback at the highest level is a mental game. So before I play this clip from Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell on Brock, from your time scouting in the NFL, what do you think the hardest, physical or mental, the hardest things to evaluate? What makes it so hard scouting college quarterbacks? I would say true toughness because a lot of these guys that are valued – you know, a lot of them go to bigger schools, right? When you just think about a lot of the misses over the years, they come from powerhouse programs, means they're not getting crushed a lot. They're not in games that look like what we just witnessed. Even the occasional like Ohio State, Notre Dame, they play in like one or two of those a year, right? So think about the top programs. They actually don't play in that many knockdown drag out games every year. So it's hard to like when shit really hits the fan, what does it look like when you're getting peppered, when your team's losing, when you're just in adverse situations? I would say the intangibles of, you know, reading complex defenses, right? The defensive coordinators, I would say, in the pros are higher level in the sense that, you know, you, there's no, I, I would imagine there's brilliant guys in college too, but you just have less time to implement stuff. You're dealing with guys. Some of these guys have only played football three or four years, like starting in ninth grade. You're right. You're, you can give more to J.J. Watt at 30 years old than you can your five-star guy, even like Alabama, right, in the in his second year. So the complexity of what you're looking at, obviously the offenses are more complex. I think the combination of that, so the complexity yeah. of the football, 
what football demands of your mind. Yeah. That's is that just you, that's like a great, that's a great at, like a high it. school to like graduate level? And the intangible, the toughness thing is because you just see these guys get peppered and get up. Like that Penix moment to me in an evaluation in a draft meeting, I'd be like, I was there at Washington, Oregon, and I watched this kid get fucking peppered and keep shaking it off and get back to the huddle. And I bet then and then you know when you go in to talk to his coaches, his offensive coordinator would tell you, or, or the offensive line coach might tell you, he's like, my guard and center said he just kept shaking it off and looked at him, telling him to get their heads up. And he'd be like, damn, I love this guy. You yeah, know, that, yeah, that yeah. type stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you don't, you might not get that Ohio State or Alabama. It's like, yeah, two had never really got touched. And when he did, right. he broke his hip. I always go back to Zach Wilson, right? Never got hit his last year at BYU. So, with that said, I asked you that because I wanted – this is uh, Kevin O'Connell on his, on his coach's show. He gets asked about Brock Purdy, and uh, this is what he said. Is it's easy to think Kyle and this run game and players around him, uh, but what I see is a guy playing quarterback at a really high level, throwing with anticipation, seeing the field, uh, making some critical plays on some third downs to extend drives and let them get back into what they want to be offensively on, on those early downs. Um, and he's consistently done it basically every game he's played since getting the opportunity to be in there. Um, so uh, he's a challenge. Uh, he's in complete control of Kyle's offense and what they're trying to do. Um, so you got to try to make him uncomfortable. You try to, you try to, the formula for a guy like Brock Purdy is no different than playing any other quarterback in this league. Try to make them uncomfortable. Try to make them feel like they've got to force some balls into some tight windows. And then can you make the play? Uh, tips and overthrows. We saw it last weekend in yep. Chicago. It'll be important that we try to see that a few more times this weekend at U.S. Bank Stadium. Got the sponsor in at the end there. Um, what'd you think? Did you see his save and hand movements? Yeah, I did. I did. There's no it's way like, if we, uh, if we got a clip of him as a player. He talked like that. But no job of a coach. I, I, I bet ten thousand dollars he never did hand movements. I, I bet there's a chance I, in the last three or four years he's implemented that. I think a lot of these Jimmy Sexton clients or whoever his agent is, they add that value. Yeah. And and maybe there is something to the psychological. They say there is that like for public speakers, hand gestures are effective tools of making points to people. But we know it feels like it's pretty natural. His name is Brock Purdy. He plays quarterback. It's like, Jesus Christ. Good jawline though. I mean, great. Hair is. Did you notice that? Then I I did notice. Narrative that. is. It's easy to think I Kyle like and this run too. game and players around him. Very uh, what I see is a guy playing quarterback at a really high level, throwing with anticipation, seeing the field, uh, making some critical so plays. That, that was the third. part. Um, <laughs> that was the part I, I I really wanted you to hear was the first compliments he gives him, which is throwing with anticipation and seeing the field. Which I feel like when when you like cover a young quarterback. Throwing with anticipation always comes up as a thing that's really hard to do. And of course it's hard. Like when you stop the film at the moment before you throw and I think it's, it's always really impressive to see where the receiver actually is when a quarterback has to decide to throw the ball to him is very different than what it looks like when the ball is arriving. Right. And then seeing the field, like you said kind of what I thought you'd say, which is what Kevin O'Connell said is how, how can you possibly really know with most college offenses, whether or not a guy can do it. I was talking to a buddy of mine who uh, was a really good quarterback in college, who coaches quarterbacks now. And he was saying, we were just talking about quarterbacks in the league. He's like, you know, it's really hard because guys are not asked to do that much. 
And so it makes it very difficult for them uh, if you choose to like really have them read the defense as opposed to just read half the field or just go through progressions. He's like, it's a really different animal. Trying to find young quarterbacks who really read a defense is it's hard to do. You don't, there aren't a lot of them because their colleges aren't asking them to do it. Could so, argue there's a bigger gap between like the five star guy in high school to college than there is even in college to the pros. You're adding a lot, but think how hard it is. Like you're just, it's just all traits. If I'm playing at some powerhouse, I'm just kicking the shit out of everybody, like yeah. Arch Manning. I actually think Arch's team wasn't as good, but like that equivalent is why we see so many. We talk a lot about busts in the NFL. It happens just as many times at college, right? A guy not being good. Now, yeah. I mean, I think how many guys have to transfer because they suck, right? There's not any good. So Kevin O'Connell's probably got Brock Purdy by about seven inches. He's, I mean, he's like six, six. Where do you go to college? Oh, San Diego State. Right. San Diego State. He's one of those guys, you know, what was the famous joke? Like the tall guy just walks into the bar. I'm here for the sex. Like I, I think Kevin O'Connell. I'm here for the free sex. Laid, I think it's a I think Kevin O'Connell's been getting laid pretty consistently since he was about 14, 15 years old. Uh, I am the tall guy I'm here for the free sex, I think is the line. I actually know the girl he was sleeping with for a little bit and, and when he was at San Diego State. Oh. I mean, he was a legitimate like let's welcome her to the show now. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> I think she's dating a UFC guy, former oh. UFC fighter, you know, kind of right. in that. Place that, um, you know, Wayne. What'd you think? Oh, anything there? I, I love that you know you can tell when a team broadcaster is also a radio host, which is the case with the Vikings, Paul Allen, because they they like get they try to get the coach in on narrative, you know, like uh, you know, this Brock Paul Allen here is one of Papa's guys. He does a pop impression actually, but he tries to bring him in, like, you know what? He, the way he asked the question was, you know, what would you say generally? Brock Purdy's asked to do in this offense. And Kevin O'Connell's like, yeah, I know what we're getting at here. <laughs> we're talking about narratives. Um, I thought it was really, I thought it was a, I, I thought, I liked what he said in the sense that like, I thought he gave a real answer on Brock Purdy and gave some insight on Brock Purdy. So I wonder how how negative uh, Paul Allen's show gets on a weekly basis when the Vikings aren't playing well. Well, guys, there are some silver linings to the performance. It's like, Paul, we just lost 37 to four. Are you Yossi sure muffed it. That was always the call I remember. Yeah, that was well, the Niners. Yossi muffed it. Yeah. To me, could, could they win this game if the group of guys that did not practice and that let's say they don't practice don't play? Because to me, they should be able to win it with Ayuk, Mason, Mitchell, Kittle, Juwan yeah. Jennings, mixing some Ronnie Bell and the defense. Like, you have to win this game. Like, to me, this is like borderline must-win game, too. And by the time they're playing, the Eagles are playing the Dolphins, which I think is a major coin flip game. And the Lions are playing at the Ravens. I think it's fair to assume. I mean, they're an underdog. Like, they could easily lose that game. I mean, there's a decent chance on Monday the Eagles and the Lions have both lost. Cowboys are on a bye. But all of a sudden, they get two losses. You just bank that extra win for the one seed gives you a little room for just the random loss, right? Because anytime a random loss comes and you're even, that's a problem. And then you have to play. Then what if somehow, you know, it's it's one thing if you lose the Eagles and you have a one-game lead going into the game. Because it's not even that crazy to lose that game on the road. Like, you could play a good game, they could play a good game, and you lose on a last-second field goal. Yeah. That Moody misses. Right, you hope it's not that Moody misses. <laughs> yeah, the Jake Elliott hits. But you know what I mean. So, like, yeah. anytime we saw this in 2019 with Seattle on their ass, getting a little cushion, like in baseball and basketball, one game means nothing. In football, it does. 
in football having a game is a really big deal. It doesn't feel like a lot when you're looking at it, but just because you just don't play that many games, every game you get closer to the end, having one game that on a given week can turn into two. And worst case scenario, you lose one and they win, it just turns into zero. But I, I do think like you cannot afford, I don't think this season, to lose random games. You, you can lose if you know if the Ravens get you, okay. Because who knows? Maybe the Eagles get got by the Cowboys in a game. Like you, you can lose to a real foe. I don't think this season given where you just look at the other teams, where they're going to end up and what it's going to take to get the number one seed, which clearly the, uh, you you can lose to the teams when you're a seven-point favorite. I know you were a big favorite last week. I think that game's going to age better as the season goes on. Right? So you don't look at the Browns I mean, as a random team? No. I mean, guy, that defense alone, they, they, they're going to win nine games with fucking random quarterbacks. I saw this age of Sean. I mean, they hope him to he come back this week, but, you know, who knows? I think that's... If they did that to the Niners with PJ, I, I think they're beating 20 other teams in the NFL pretty easily with that defensive performance. Because they still were getting yards. It was, you know, the Niners defense was making plays too. So it's, I think that defense alone is a 500 team if, if your offense sucked. And they got enough players on offense beside their quarterback to be productive. Yeah. What do you think? Good home field. The, well, to me, the Browns. And the Vikings aren't even in the same universe right now in terms of like, who would you rather play? Every team in the league would sign up. I want to play the Vikings to try to win the game. You would not want to play that team. One, you could lose. And two, they knock your players out. Fuck that. Yeah. Especially in Cleveland. That's the other thing. Like Minnesota is historically that place. The skull, it's really cool. I'm not saying it won't be loud, but the physicality of this team. I mean, give me a break. Well, I mean, we might look up and the Browns are six and two or five and three. They play Indy, Seattle, Arizona coming up in their next three. They still play Where's Denver. The Seattle, they, game? Uh, the Seattle game is at Seattle. Is That's that what you a asked? Good little test for Seattle. Yeah. 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 They still play the Bears. They play the Texans. They play the Jets at the end of the year. So you're right. They could win seven games. I think what the Niners need, I mean, they don't need it, but what helps, I do think a lot of those NFC North teams are going to KO some of their divisional foes. Like Seattle could lose, obviously, to Cleveland. They just lost to Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, the Rams are favored at home this week against Pittsburgh, but to me, they're not a lock to win that game. Like that that division is just, think of what the Niners have done. I guess they're one and one against it, but they get Cincinnati at home and they get the Ravens at home. Like at minimum, you go one on one in those games. You're gonna yep. be favored in both. You definitely got to get the Bengal game, the Raven game. I mean, that's you know Lamar's rolling. It's a tough matchup. Thankful to get that game at home, right? I mean, if you got to lose yeah. the one, if you got to lose the like somebody said to me, or I saw some comments on YouTube. If you don't get any of those games in November, or December, now, right? You know, in the cold weather, even though somebody, somebody said if Moody misses the if Moody makes the kick, the whole story coming out of the game is different, and I don't think it is. I think that game felt weird. I don't think we're saying that much different stuff about them other than the stuff that relates to the standings if Moody makes that kick. And it's it's much better because Moody made the kick. And like you and I both said after the game, more worried about Moody than than what that L does to you, big picture. Um, but all that other stuff still happened, and the Browns defense still played that way. And like, you know, you still got guys hurt. So like that game, 
I don't think it was going to get viewed that differently coming out of it. Some of the things that happened. You would be you would be six and zero playing the Vikings. You'd be yeah, you'd be in you'd great be, shape. <clears throat> but but you'd still be asking like, okay, the next time we play a road rain game against a top defense, can we win that game? I think you'd always rather get tested and get into a heavyweight fight and win the game than lose the game. I agree. To me, you're met. You still get to do the same message on Monday or Tuesday, coaching wise, being on guys. But you, what I'm getting at is, you'd rather, I think, if you, ha- you, there's no rather, but to lose that particular game in that way, that's kind of you'd rather do that than lose to the Ravens at home. You'd rather do that than lose to the Bengals at home. Road game, rain, good defense. Okay, you can live with that. Yeah, I think more so than losing to one of those two teams on a cross country trip. You know, I think Ra- Ravens Lions this week is one of the better games. Like th- they actually might be really good. I think the Ravens are kind of finding their stride, getting guys back. Like, there's the Ravens that, might be really good, or the Lions might be really good. I'm saying the right. Oh. We know the Lions are pretty good, but yeah. I, I'm saying the Ravens. Like that game's gonna be. I was looking at the schedule the other day. I'm like, I think that could be one of the harder games that no one really talks about. And it, by the time you play them, they could be competing with like the Chiefs and the Bills for the number one seed. The, the Ravens, they play the Lions this week. Next week they play Seattle. Or no, next week they play Arizona, then the following week they play Seattle. Wow. So. And they're rested when they play the Niners, right? Mm, uh, no, they're just coming off a road game at Jacksonville. Never mind. That's not an extra rest game. I think the Niners should pick up uh, Larry. You, uh, you think the Niners should do what now? Well, the Eagles sign Julio. Yeah. I, I mean, the Niners sign like Larry Fitzgerald. Who's playing more golf right now, Larry or Robbie Gold? Uh, probably similar, but Larry Sneaky always plays golf. Are you picking Andre Iguodala? I wouldn't be opposed to a little veteran leader. No, I'm not being serious. Uh, the Eagles signed Hardman? him just because they were legitimately des- – I mean, they had an injury. They, they just yeah. signed their best – I know the way they operate. They have a list of free agents, and they were like – do we sign a guy off a practice squad or we just sign this, see if it works, he's ready to go. If not, then we'll go that route. I, they're not signing him just for like shits and giggles. Like they needed a wide receiver. Is the guy at the top of their list reserve. always super famous? Feels like that happens with them. Why, they have two lists. They have the free agents who are available, and a lot of times those guys are super famous because they're older guys that are like kind of fringe out of the league. Richard was that guy a couple years ago. Shady McCoy. Like it's it's that guy at the end of his career, or you just go – do we sign player X on team's practice squad? And I think if you're a younger team, it's a no-brainer, right? If you're the Arizona Cardinals, you sign the dude on the Niners practice squad. Yeah. yeah. If you're the Eagles, the 49ers, the Bills, I think you are more inclined to sign Julio Jones, right? Pan on the stream says, or Pan, uh, we just had an investor meeting with Larry. Bro is retired, LOL. No, he's been company? retired for a while. Megatron just went in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Friday is the one-year anniversary of the Christian McCaffrey trade, October 20th. Speaking of uh, new acquisitions. Feels like longer than that, doesn't it? (laughs) The NFL trade deadline is October 31st, John. So we are uh, less than two weeks away. So if the Niners want Brian Burns or uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, better do that soon. But more like DJ Jones is probably the more likely Niner. Yeah, I, what I don't understand is why the Panthers didn't 
trade Brian Burns and keep DJ Moore for their young quarterback. I think if they'd like to have a do-over, because clearly they haven't signed him to some huge extension, why didn't they? Because the Bears asked for one of the three guys, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, or DJ Moore. Wouldn't, if you had that do-over, just keep your Debo Samuel, who's under contract, his second contract, trade Brian Burns, and keep the other defensive lineman. Yeah. Like I, I think they misplayed that. I, I think the Carolina Panthers are sneaky right now, like the old Raiders Browns. Like I don't I think they now their owner has more a lot of money. I think they are just lost at sea. I I haven't looked at their schedule, but they're clearly are pretty shitty. They feel that they're closer to a zero win team than they are a four win team. So I mean, I, I it's hard to go winless, but like they feel like they got like one and fifth sixteen written all over them, don't they? Uh, they play Houston, their division, Indy, sucks. and Chicago in the next three weeks. They got to be able to win one of those three games, right? And they play Dallas, and they play Tennessee again, or then they play Tennessee, Tampa. Saints, Falcons, Packers, Jags, Bucks. I mean, if they don't win in the next three weeks in this Houston, if the 49ers were Eagles, like that was their schedule, you'd be like, they're going to run the table. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's true. So, yeah, they should win again. They should win again. What's our Thursday? If you're listening to this before, most of you are going to listen to this podcast after Thursday Night Football. What do we got tonight? Is it something good? Derek Carr. Oh, yeah. Saints. Um, by the way, as we, ex- Trevor, I, but Trevor Lawrence, as we're recording this, I mean, he, he's a game time decision. You and I laughed last year. Like we thought all these advertisers were crazy for being mad that they didn't get as many eyeballs as they expected for Amazon. I don't know if you saw the announcement. Uh, Amazon's Thursday night football numbers are up 4 million from last year to 13.6 million viewers. So as expected, it's working out, it's working out fine. What, what would you guess? In three or four more years, just the more and more people that have streaming <clears throat> capabilities. Is that number 15? It, it has a ceiling. Yeah. It's never going to be 30. But well, the NFL season average is 17. Did you read Ethan Strauss' article today? I haven't yet about the NBA ratings or the NBA um, projections I, and TV money. Uh, he hit the fucking nail on the head. I, I just can never get over every single person that covers basketball just saying, oh, it's going to 3X, it's going to 3X. And his point was simply, he used the Amazon example that people were complaining how much they paid, and they still got, as of this year, they were over 13 million. But even at the 9 million number, the NBA is a ninth of that on a good night getting a million people. And Amazon, or excuse me, ESPN and TNT, their main two partners, have already said, like, we can't pay the same amount. Not, we can't pay more. We can't pay what we paid you before. So that number is going to go down. And his point was, it's not like Apple and Google or Netflix at this point in time in 2023, maybe they were like this five years ago, are just gunslinging with deals. Even the Pac-12 is a good example. They set a number and they give you, but their metrics are way better than these cable companies. Like value is everything they hang their hat on. And his point was, everyone keeps asking about tripling. That's all we hear is like, and Bill Simmons and guys like this, we're going to see guys making 70 million. We are based on what the, the last deal was historically high. The ratings have gone down by half and now cable is in a free fall 
and these streaming the way, so are companies. The streamers. Yeah, but the streaming companies are very, very dialed. They've they've been in shambles because they've they've just overpaid television shows. But when it comes to rights for games, like they know what they're getting into and they pick their their price points. They're not just going to give. I I think the NBA is in a lot of trouble relative to their previous deal. My my take is at best they stay even and there's a chance that they ultimately get less if they're going to be determined by these companies that aren't cable companies because no one's bidding against each other. And is there a chance that in like five years, because one of his things was everyone always buys teams. He used the NBA as an example, but the NFL falls under this. Why the values keep going up because the TV revenue keeps going up and that's what the revenue flow to you, the owner. Well, if it ever goes the other way, it would go the opposite way for team valuations, but then the salary cap would all be out of whack. I, it could be, it was bound to happen. And to me, it has the perfect storm. And I've been saying this for a while. Why is Adam Silver making a big deal about people playing in games? Do you think he actually gives a shit? Of, he never did until. Why the are they doing an the in season tournament this year? Money, money, money. And I think they're in um, major, major trouble relative to what they are. I'm not saying they're going broke or anything. I'm just saying that. Well, the golden age of television is over. It was actually like in the nineties. It turns out in terms of like broadcast TV. Um, You're right. Everybody is cutting. They are very few shows that go. uh, When I say shows, I mean like the biggest college game day game or the big noon kickoff game. For the most part, they are finding ways to cut everywhere. Um, because they're making less money and because their parent companies are making less money. So what do you need if you're going to get historic contracts? You need a bidding war. Well, I'm glad, you know, you mentioned the Pac-12. I sounds like Ethan wrote about it. The, that whole situation was a great example of like... He didn't write about the Pac-12. Well, I just use it as an example. Yeah, he wrote about Apple. They, they want Apple to get involved. Yeah, well, it's, per, it's a perfect example of it then. Um, you got to bring up Apple because Apple wants to get in. Apple's in on MLS. Apple's in on Major League Baseball. But, um, you know, when it came to I know the number has been reported at twenty three million dollars per school per year in the Pac-12. I'd heard that it was going to be pretty easy to get it to 30 and that Apple was going to do all kinds of stuff. Apple was going to have um, uh, like promotion in, in every Apple store would be like a map, like a Pac-12 map. And it'd show you like where to watch games and that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, they, they like, I think if you were Apple, like how badly did Apple want college football? I think pretty badly. Like they really tried to get in. They were willing to spend basically $300 million a year. Uh, great. Get in with Apple, right? What, what's Apple's, uh, historic success rate. It's, it's very high, but they believed in it so much. And yet they still weren't willing to go, okay, if it's going to take 45 to get this deal done, we're going to do that deal. Right. Oh, well, the league's going to fall apart. There won't be a deal to do if you don't go to 45. We're not going to 45. I'm not saying that conversation happened, but the idea of there being some like bidding war, where like a network that's not in on the NBA now, say Fox or whoever, or Apple or Amazon is going to overextend to acquire the nobody's overextending to acquire the property at this point. And everybody's money is pretty well spent. So the leverage for the NBA, like they can't threaten Turner, I don't think, and and Disney with like, all right, guys, if you don't, we're going to we're going to Peacock. Peacock's not putting a big offer in front of them. Apple's probably not putting the offer they currently have. And I mean, I don't know that, but 
I'd be surprised. Like, there's a lot of other work that goes into carrying these games. Turner produces a ton of these games, right? Turner produces them. Yeah. Apple, if they're going to produce the games, the 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 streamers are not set up to produce the games right now. Well, who produces like, that when Apple has the baseball games? Who did that? Did MLB MLB Network produces those games. And they just paid for the rights to broadcast it. Yeah. Or like that. Ask that, me that who name. produces Amazon. NBC produces Amazon. Right. So like they, So Amazon does not have a production team? Well, I mean, they hire a team, but like if you look at it, it all looks like NBC. It's a lot of NBC people. Um, I think it's my guess is the trucks are NBC trucks. I don't think Amazon, I mean, they probably they're Amazon built, uh uh paid for. Logoed, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's NBC, I think, handles a lot of the back end on that stuff. Um, if Apple had done the Pac-12, the Pac-12 would have handled a lot of the back end work on that. So, I, you know, it costs a lot of money. Like, you're not going to get, like, Turner has Turner Studios, and Turner produces the games. I, Turner, I, I don't know this. I, I mean, the NBA, have you ever watched you, the NBA TV stuff? It's it, There's a significant drop in everything. Because it costs a lot of money to. I remember when the NBA network first, the NBA TV first went on the air, they would interview players. And instead of, they didn't have like the infrastructure set up where like players would get like a regular headset or a microphone with an NBA. I remember the first year, years they were doing it, players were wearing these single ear headphones with like a big mic. If you're not watching, you can't see what I'm doing, but their cameraman had headsets. Like they were, I, it looked very, um, not very low budget, but not premium budget. So, if you're going to get a streamer involved, you have to probably somebody has to bear the brunt of putting all those productions on, building the studios, having the facilities, having all the hard wire. Just all that stuff is really expensive. Well, if you turn on Golf Channel, why is their production value pretty high level? NBC. NBC. Yeah, I mean it's just, just NBC. Yeah, it's it's not some mom and pop shop operation. Right, so I I think the problem. Well, and even I, I read I read the other day, John. Um, Acura Acura has not gotten into the electric car game. They don't even do hybrids, but they're coming out with a new electric SUV next year. It's almost entirely GM built. <laughs> like to build anything from the ground up is so expensive that people who wouldn't otherwise partner partner because they're like it's just it's basically sure. a Cadillac Lyric. Well, I, th I heard Charles Barkley saying within the last year, whenever he signed his new deal with TNT and Turner, the, a huge, like, if they don't re-up the NBA, he'd be able to retire or free agent or whatever. Oh. It's obviously his deal is predicated on them having basketball, but right. part of the reason that's in the deal is, like, it's not even a lock that they get it or want it, which makes sense. Think of, the NCAA tournament? Think, of what the, think of what, if, think of the story. If everyone that paid for the NFL, their audience dipped in half, it'd be like one of the biggest stories in American sports history. In the That's NBA, it's like audiences. And this is where I respect Ethan. And this is why I think he went solo. You would never find that article on ESPN.com or even the athletic. They're, they're too intertwined with the NBA. It's not allowed. And, you know, this is it's why Substack, I think, has so many people. I mean, Ethan's really the only one that I – he is the only Substack I have. But I hear enough people in other oh, podcasts. I got John Canzano. I got Canzano. I got a couple. That, you know, they're just able to do whatever they want. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. And this is 
you know, I want my big J's to write about shit that make people uncomfortable. And we don't get that as much anymore because it's all well, when you consolidate media, it's harder. I also think there's an element of. I think Twitter mainly because that's where a lot of the journalists hang out a lot of the time. You never want to go up against the grain. You don't want to hear negative things. And I think people get in that industry, the writer's industry, they get very obsessed with that and they're less likely to. I feel like when we were a kid, you could find an article on anything. And a lot of it, you know, nowadays, half of that stuff, it would have been so ugly. Yeah, on your columnists media. just write it and you get some letters, but it wasn't exactly in 24 7. You, you, you would go on never the sports fo- reporters and just like say some shit. And it you just would never find what, what Ethan wrote on, yeah. on any of the main things that you would click on right now. But again, ESPN. John, I think the athletic.com, New I York Times, they all it's all so, which I guess when, is the athletic, which is the athletic. And when you're also dependent on. It's just there's not that much independence. And so, no, there's not anymore. So everyone's, you know, the ESPN is there there, which which again, like you can cover the NBA like you can do that stuff. Like that's the part that's crazy to me. Right. But they don't. Nobody does. The NBA calls immediately and complains. Right. Well, like no one's written an article, not a soul that I've seen of just what the fuck is James Harden doing? And you are not going to get that from anyone that covers the NBA, I don't think. Which is if that's I, true, it makes no sense because I was actually trying to figure out I've never muted a topic. I couldn't. It is the least interesting topic on earth to me right now. James, he, like, I could not give practice. a shit what James Harden is up to. Like, uh, because. I just, it's, it's such a stupid, it's so, this is so, how are you, how, how is James? Nobody wants it. But like when Antonio Brown, I mean, I I get why comparing, I'm not quite comparing James to Antonio Brown. Obviously he's been arrested several times. To my knowledge, James hasn't been, it's nothing criminal, but just in terms of the, once Antonio stopped listening to anybody football wise, everyone was dragging the guy. And it just feels like people are very podcasters will, but the people that write about the NBA, the the the, the links I see on my feed, you won't see. And it just doesn't feel that way, and that's crazy to me because it's like jump the shark. It's it's Antonio Brown level on the court. I'm yeah, see, I haven't I've ignored the story, so I just assume someone's ripping them and ripping them, and everyone's getting ripped because that's no. where's Peter Vesey. Guy, those days are done. You only find it on Substack. Maybe I need to the YouTube. Substack. If I if I subscribe to like ten people, it's we're talking one hundred fifty bucks a month. <laughs> Maybe Glad we should. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like Substack. Kinsano. I like. I read. I read Kinsano. I, I read Ethan. All right. I subscribed. I think I unsubscribed to him. He he was relentless. Kinsano. Lot. You can read some articles for free too. I, he told me like I was texting with him the other day. He told me like ninety percent of his articles are paid. Uh, I think he's but, making like five hundred thousand dollars or something on it. I know Ethan account. wrote about Kinsano. Yeah, I think he's crushing. He's covered the Bulldogs once upon a time, John Kinsano. So did Woj. So, so did Woj. So did uh, Andy Katz. Andy Katz. Maybe? Yeah, a- Andy Katz. Yeah. John Branch, who's an excellent writer. Uh, he covered the Bulldogs. Anyway. All right. See, Andy Katz is a guy. I think he works for the NCAA now. Yeah, he does. <laughs> what lefty? I mean, I think he probably. I don't know if he was the first wave of like cuts from ESPN, but um, works for the man. Yeah, 
however much. I, I like Andy Katz. This is not a shot. I always respected his work. I, that'd be a tough transition. It's just different right, right, when it comes from state media. Right. That's Remember when Mike Silver wrote for Washington for the Washington football team for like a week? Probably was not easy. No. And that's Jim Trotter's whole point. I mean, not Jim, but everybody, like NFL media. It's like, what did I, what was the tweet I saw? It was like rap sheet. Who's an excellent reporter, but he he tweeted the other day. It was like uh, Jerry Jones it, has a big dick. It, it was something about Anthony Richardson. It, it was just like you know, basically he's getting the surgery X Y Z W. But it's just a reminder how all in, how much they believe in this guy. It's like if I was them, I guess I'd kind of believe in him. But have you watched Anthony Richardson play for the Colts? If you were Jim Irsay this year and go, we definitely nailed it. Superstar. Some of some of that, I not defending that tweet. I love Shefty. He does some of that too. It's like if you're boys with Ballard or the coach, some of it's like, yeah. Even though I don't think you have to do that, like they really care, but some do. I don't know. It's weird. I guess uh, clearly they do, right? And it's like yeah, the, it's do. an easy they, they little care. win. It doesn't hurt. They, they care. It's, they care. Yeah. All right. On that note, we out. Yeah. All right. Later, everybody. Thanks for hanging. Adios. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.